everybody. It's Vision Sunday. I'm so excited to be in the house. So glad you're with us. I want to take a moment as we get started um, to welcome everyone today. You may not know this, but twice a year, we do what's called Vision Sunday, where we link up with all of our churches. So not just our Virginia campuses, but everyone across the globe. So I want to say hello to Louisville. I want to say hello to Germany. I want to say hello to our core team in Hampton Roads. Come on, church, put your hands together. I want to welcome everyone that's in church today. It's so good. Of course, I want to say hello to all of our Virginia locations, everybody joining us online. We're so excited that you are in the house today. It's going to be a great day. We'll give you a few updates on things happening in, uh, in the life of the church. And then want to talk about some vision today. We want to talk about next generation and our investment there. It's going to be a powerful day. Before we do, let's pray together. Father, we love you today. We're so grateful that we get to be in your presence. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. And so today we open our hearts and minds and we just say, Holy Spirit, speak to us. We wanna leave this place looking more like you, thinking more like you, moved by the things that move your heart. And so speak to us. We have open hearts and minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said a big amen at all of our churches. Hey, I wanna give you a quick update for our Virginia campuses. I want to share with you last Sunday, 147 people took their next step of baptism. Come on, that's worth celebrating. 147 people. We just want to say congratulations to every one of you and um, how God is moving in your lives. It's an incredible season across the church. So many things, good things happening. Shout out to Pastor Sean and Jen. I just want to say hello to you this morning. I love you. Miss you guys. God's doing amazing things in Louisville through y'all and uh, through your church. And uh, I want to give you a quick update real quick for some of our Virginia projects and, uh, and everybody else wants you to know, be in the know of what's going on. I shared with you back in January um, a few building projects that we were working towards. Just want to give you a quick update on those. And I know some of you may be wondering, where are we on those? So first, I want to give you a quick update on, uh, I shared with you about our Culpeper campus is getting its own facility. And uh, I know they're very excited right now. <laughs> clapping, cheering. Um, but uh, we are moving forward. Everything's moving. Site plans, uh, architect contracts have been, um, have been secured and we are expecting construction drawings by mid-September. So just everything's moving along. You, you haven't seen any dirt moving yet, um, but this is kind of normal in the process. But what I did want to point out to you is we have a website for you if you want to keep updates on a regular basis. So um, it won't update every week, but every time something happens, it will be updated. So you can go to lifepoint.org slash Culpepper Building and you can stay up to date with all those things. And we shared with you back in January that our board had released the funds to do all the site work. So several million dollars in cash will pay to get all the site work done. Um, but that does leave a delta or a vision gap of somewhere between seven, maybe eight million dollars. And we're believing for that to come in. So if God is speaking to you, I want to encourage you to be a part of over and above giving towards that. And uh, you can do that online. You can do that site. You can reach out to the office, but um, we'll be talking more about that near the end of the year. But I want you to be praying with us about that because vision moves at the speed of your generosity. And, uh, and so this building, when will it be done? We'll be, it'll move along at the speed of your generosity. Right now, we can do all the site work and get everything ready for it to go up. When will walls start going up? It's completely up to you. And uh, so we'll move at 
the speed of your giving. Also wanted to point out to you our Fredericksburg building. We shared with you that we were expanding our kids area and, um, and that we're also creating a brand new kids entrance just to help with flow and, and maximize this building. We've never been able to do that. And if you have children at the Fredericksburg campus, you're saying praise God in your heart right now because you know the chaos that it can be trying to get checked in and checked out, um, especially on weekends where the building is overflowing with people. And again, you can go to this website and you can find out everything that you need to know about that as updates are made. We will make sure that you're informed. And, um, and I shared with you in January and just want to say again, because of your generosity, the stewardship of our finance team, we're actually funding this completely in cash. So we're paying cash for that. Um, so glory to God for that. And then also wanted to let you know our Richmond campus, um, you may not know this, but they've been officing out of um, whoever will let them with free Wi-Fi, Starbucks, Panera, wherever they can be. And I'm excited to share with you, we just secured over 3,300 square feet of office space for our Richmond campus. Come on, I know they're excited in Richmond right now. Um, but it's not this whole building. Maybe, maybe the favor of God will happen, we'll get the whole building. Um, but we have, uh, I think, the half of this bottom floor. But here's the great thing about it is it's going to allow us to not only have office space, but it has large meeting space. So team meetings, leader meetings, all these kind of things that we've um, kind of, you know, just been roaming around trying to find and hoping we can find somewhere that'll let us meet. Now we have a, a, a permanent space that we can meet in, that we can office out of, we can stage outreach out of. So just a whole lot of things that opens up to us. And uh, so I'm so excited about that. Um, so I want to get into the word of God today. Uh, and I want to talk to you about vision. And uh, if you're a note taker, you're going to write this down. Vision is this. It's simply a picture of a preferred future. Let me say that again. Vision is a picture. It's, it's not where things are now, but it's a picture of a preferred future. It's where I want to be. It's where I'm going. It's what I have in my mind's eye that it could be. And I want to talk to you about vision. I want to ask you this. What is the vision that you have for your own life? What is the vision you have? What, what kind of vision do you have for your marriage? When you look at your marriage, it may not be where you want it to be, but what does it look like when you get there? What is the preferred future? What, what, is that, what are the conversations like? What, what is the connection like? What is the vision? What is the vision you have for your children, for parenting? What is, what is that picture in your mind that you have when you think of your kids 20 years down the road, 15 years, 10 years? One year down the road, what's the vision that you have? What is the vision you have for your finances? The Bible says where there is no vision, where there's no picture of a preferred future, then the people perish, they die. Or another way they say it is they cast off restraint. In other words, vision gives you guardrails. It, it lets you know, this is where we're going. We're not going this way. We're not, we're not taking the exit over here. No, this is the direction we're going. I've got vision for my future. And, and I don't know what God's vision is for your marriage necessarily in the details. I don't know what it is about what career you should choose or school you should go to. But I, I can tell you I'm confident of God's vision for your faith journey. I'm 100%. I can stand here with full confidence and I'll show you in God's word um, what God's vision is for your faith journey. And I want you to have vision for it. I think we first see it in the book of Exodus. I want to show this to you. Exodus, the Bible says in chapter six, it says, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And, and these are four I will statements I want you to see. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. 
I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment, and I will take you as my own people, and I'll be your God. Then you will know I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So, so this is... This is God talking to the nation of Israel. And, and if you're new to the Bible, the nation of Israel is God's chosen people. We learn about them in the Old Testament. They've been under um, Egyptian rule for about 400 years and God is setting them free from that. And he says these four I will statements to them. I'll bring you out, I'll free you, I'll redeem you, and then I'll take you as my own people. I'm gonna make you a family. And in the, in the Old Testament Jewish tradition, there was a thing called the Passover meal. Maybe you've heard of this. And in the Passover meal, they celebrated this verse. And so in the meal, they would eat and they would drink from this cup. And then they would eat and then they would drink from a cup. And then they would eat and go on for it until there was four different cups that they would drink from. And this meal, the Passover meal or the Seder meal. And so in the first cup, the Israelites called it the cup of sanctification. And in the second cup they would drink, they called it the cup of deliverance. And the third cup, they called it the cup of redemption. And the fourth, they called it the cup of praise. Now my pastor says they call it the cup of praise because by the time they got to glass of wine number four, it was called praise. <laughs> I don't know if that's, it's not really true, but that's not why they called it, but that's what it's called it. And so you see these throughout the Bible over and over again, this is God's vision for people, that they would be brought out, that they would be, the Bible word is they would be saved. Not only that, but that they would be freed or the word the Israelis used and the Bible used is they would be delivered. And that, that's finding freedom from all my yesterdays so that I can have clarity for all of my tomorrows. Number three is that they would be redeemed, the cup of, of redemption. What does that word mean? It means put back to its original purpose or its original form or its original intent. And then the last one was called the cup of praise. Now we think of praise like clapping or shouting or, or upbeat music, but that's not what they would have understood praise to. They would have understood praise as this thing of fulfillment, that I'm doing the thing that God has designed me to do and my life is a praise before God. And so in this verse, he says, I'll bring you out. This is salvation. I will deliver you. That's freedom. I will redeem you. In other words, I'm gonna give you the reason that you were put on the planet, that I'm gonna make you a family and I'm going to put that family on mission and that's where we find fulfillment. I want to propose to you that you'll never find the fulfillment you're looking for in life until you're living out the purpose that God put on the inside of you. It's just the truth. And so we say it like this around the church and you've seen this. We say we want you to know God. That's the cup of sanctification. We want you to find freedom. That's the cup of deliverance. We want you to discover your purpose. That's the cup of redemption, putting you back into your original intent that God created you for. And then finally, that you would go make a difference. And that is the cup of praise because you're never more fulfilled than when you're living out the purpose of God in your life. Now, I believe that God wants this for everyone, young, old, and, and, and this is what we want in every age category. This isn't for adults. This is in our elementary. We want them to know God, want them to find freedom, want them to discover a purpose, want them to make a difference with their life. And, and whether you've been walking with God for like a minute or you've been walking with God most of your life, God wants you to know him. And that's a never ending journey. You never arrive where you're like, 
I've kind of got it figured out. I know who God is. No, no, no. He wants you to, this forever journey of knowing God, this forever f- journey you're on until you meet Jesus of finding freedom. Because what, here's what happens is you peel back a layer and you realize, oh, I, I got another layer I need to peel back. Oh, there's some unforgiveness I need to deal with. Oh, there's some, some issues from my, from my childhood. I need to peel that layer back. And God's continually freeing us and then you learn why am I, what was I made for? How was I crafted? Bible says I'm God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I have a mission to accomplish and then I have to go out and make a difference in the world around me. And I wanna, I wanna focus though on our next generation, on our elementary, middle school, high school. This is the generation that is called Gen Z and the one coming behind them is called Gen Alpha. If you're with me, say amen real quick. Okay, I want to make sure you dialed in on this, not just parents, but all of us. I want to, I want to give you some, some stats and stuff, but then I really want to give you some action points that I, see, I think we see from scriptures. Gen Z, I want you to know who they are. Um, this is Gen Z. They're, they're currently between the ages of four and 24, and they represent nearly 74 million. Let that sink in for a moment. 74 million people in the US, not worldwide, but in the US. And worldwide, they are one in four people. So this is a large generation, a large population of people. And, and I, I'm, I was gonna have all these stats on the, on the TV, but I, I don't wanna depress you too much because sometimes hearing it and reading, it'll sink even lower. I just wanna tell you, the stats aren't great. Like. It's Houston, we have a problem. According to recent studies, 60%, listen to this, not of, not of kids out there, of this generation, if you've got a four to 24 year old, 60% stats are saying we'll walk away from the church. That represents 35 million children by 2050, if something doesn't change. Of the generation coming behind them, Gen Alpha, they tell us that at seven years old, they've spent one whole year of their life on a tablet or in front of a screen. Stats are telling us, listen to this, 43% of that generation is gonna grow up without a father. And they are the least churched. In other words, they attend church the least of any generation up to this point in history. No wonder they're expected to walk away from the church. 3% of U.S. teens currently read their Bible on a consistent basis. We have a lot of work to do. And here's the deal. Sometimes you can read stats and you can go, oh, that's somewhere else. That's, That's in another city. That's in another town. That's not in my home. And so I had an idea that maybe it was in our home. And maybe there's some things in our own students that if they could get real with us, we would find out. And so I asked our team, I said, I want you to do a survey among our students and just ask this question, fill in this blank. I wish my parents knew. I wish my parents knew. And so I I had them remain anonymous. I don't want to break their trust. I didn't, and, and, and I'm giving you kind of some of the light ones, honestly. If I were to read, read all of them to you, we'd be handing tissues out everywhere. It'd break your heart. But I, I want you to see this isn't something out there. It's, it's, the students you pass in the hallway, it's, it's the people in your home. And we have a lot of work to do. And I want you to see this. This is just a sampling. It says this, I wish my parents knew that I'm hurting. I cry in bed every night. These are our kids. Another one said, I wish my parents knew I wanted a stronger 
relationship with them. Check this out. I wish my parents knew how their words affected me. I wish my parents knew I get anxious about a lot of things, but I keep strong, a strong look so I don't worry anyone or pull the mood down. I wish my parents knew that I don't like the way I look, that I'm not comfortable in my own skin. Look at this one. I wish my parents knew how hard it is to be a believer in a public school. Listen, to this is, I'll show you one more. I wish my parents knew how much it means to me when we all go to church together. Let that sink in for a minute. And I have a feeling that our students and this generation want a church, want people, want some adults that'll go, not on our watch, we're gonna fight for you, we're gonna speak life into you. We, we could sit around and, and go, oh, it's horrible, and, and this is such a major problem, or we could go, no, it's a great opportunity for the church to be the church and to love on a generation, and I don't know about you, but I am committed, this place is committed to doing what Nehemiah said. In Nehemiah chapter four, verse 14, he says this, after I look things over, Jerusalem was torn down, the city walls were torn down. He said, after I look things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and to the officials and everybody at church on Vision Sunday, don't be afraid of them, remember the Lord. In other words, don't be afraid of the pressures and don't be afraid of the enemy and don't be afraid of everything pushing down on a generation. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And I just just want to declare to our church today that the stats may say one thing, but remember the Lord who is great and who is awesome. And he says, fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters. And that's my call to you today is to fight for your families, for your sons, and your daughters. Come on, somebody, to fight for your families, for your sons, and for your daughters. And so if we're going to fight, we better have a strategy to fight. And I just want you to know, we're not the primary spiritual influencer in the life of children, but we see ourselves as a major partner with parents. And so we have a strategy to fight. And some of it, I just feel like maybe you don't know. And so I want to make sure that you know. I want to inform you. I want you to know what's happening in children's ministry. In our, in our children's ministry, here's what I want you to know this. I want you to know that that. It's not just babysitting, that, that we're not just sharing some stories and doing some crafts, but there's a ton of thought and strategy. There's, our team has spent months, months, we, we've, we spend talking with some of the leading voices and leading minds and thought leaders in America, in the church on how are we reaching this next generation and Gen Alpha behind them. And I want you to know that, that when your children are in children's ministry and, and when, they're, when they're in those environments, it's not just, oh, we're just trying to, you know, keep them quiet until certain, no, no, no. No, we're, we're teaching them how to worship God in a way that they can understand. We want them to have a heart of worship. We're, we're, we're helping them get into small groups and, and be in community with each other. Why? Because you can't do life alone and, and you can't really discover what you were created to be all by yourself. You need some people and you need some adults in your life that will love you and care for you and listen to you and pray with you because your little dog got hurt and you lost your stuffed animal and that matters to you and you need someone that'll love on you and show you God cares. Not only that, but number three, we have age-graded curriculum. 
And this is an important piece right here. And here's why this is so important. Listen to me, parents. This is why this is so important. Because we have a three-year laid out strategy of what we are teaching your children. It's not just, what do you think we ought to do this Sunday? <laughs> no, we have a three-year strategy. And in that strategy, we are teaching them the major themes of the Bible. And not only that, over a three-year period, they will get six more in-depth book studies of the Bible. So every week, they're getting major themes, which is covering on a, age, on a level they can understand, major doctrines of the Bible, major stories of the Bible. And then they're also getting twice a year in-depth book studies in the Bible. And so we're not just... We're not just playing crafts. I want you to hear me. Our dream team is not just hanging out, doing crowd control. No, no, we're investing the word of God into your children so that in 2050, when our elementary kids are 20 something, they're not part of the 35 million walking away from their faith. And finally, we also create resources for, for parents. We wanna resource your parents on, on how to do. We're, we're not the primary pastor of your child, you are but we want to create resources. We want to come alongside and help. Not only in our children's ministry, I want you to know in our youth ministry, what is, there's a strategy, there's a, a thought process behind it. And, and it begins with, we have youth night in our Virginia campuses. And, and as other of our churches like Louisville and Hampton and Newport and, and, and uh, Germany grow, they begin to add this. For us, this is our once a month large gathering where we, want, we just want every kid in the state of Virginia, we, we'd love to get them in the room and share the gospel with them. But, but we also create youth groups. This is like, maybe if you grew up in church, this is like old school youth group. Like, come on, somebody in the basement of a church somewhere. Like, it's not in the basement, but we have youth groups. Why? Because we want them to get into smaller groups and community. We, gather on, we get together on campuses. Have fun, yeah, but we get into God's word. My, my kids are in youth groups. And I can't tell you how thankful I am for their youth group leaders and their small group leaders and how they invest and pour into them. And then, as you know, we have youth conference. It's once a year where we just wanna pour into kids as they start into the school year, and just invest God's word. We call them to think about going into ministry, surrendering their lives to Jesus. And then I, also we do leadership development. We do leadership development, why? Because we want to pour into the next generation. We believe God can use them to change the world. And so we do things like what's called SLI. It's a summer internship where we invest in them and we stretch them and, and help them learn how to lead and how to have character development. And, and then obviously we have LifePoint College where we're developing the next generation to become everything that God wants them to be. And, and then throughout the year, you may not know this, but we have six six major concepts that we invest in our youth every year. So whether it's a youth night or a youth conference or a youth group, whatever we're teaching them has to fall into these big six things like spiritual disciplines, how to read your Bible, pray, how to fast, how to rest, what is Sabbath? We teach them basic theology. We're teaching them personal evangelism. We're teaching them things like how to have good relationships, how to choose friends, how to have purity in your relationships. We're teaching them things like identity, like who does God say you are? Not what culture says, not what the pressures, not what TikTok is telling you. Who does God say you are? Parents who love this, we teach them about spiritual authority. <laughs> All the parents should say amen. How to submit to authority, how authority protects you that you're to honor your mom and dad so that you can live a long life and prosper according to the scriptures. 
And so we're not just playing games. We have a strategy. We have a strategy, but we need you. I need you. I need every one of you. I need every adult in the room. I need every young adult. I need every one of you to do one thing for me. I need you to prioritize the next generation. And I want you to prioritize them in three ways. If you're with me, shout amen. I want you to prioritize them in three ways. Number one is this. I want you to pray regularly. I want you to pray for them regularly. And here's how I want you to pray. I'm gonna give you three ways. I got this from my pastor. I've incorporated this. For parents, this is great. I pray this over my kids. These are the three things I pray for them. Number one, I pray for them to revere and to fear God. Not fear God like, oh, I'm scared of God that he's gonna zap me. No, I want them to have a, a holy reverence for God. I want, I, want them to ha- I want them to kind of have the holy reverence for God that won't let them say something that they really want to say or, all their, or go, into that, go into that situation. I want them to go, no, 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 I, I'm, I, I revere God too much to participate in that, to be a part of that. Psalms 34, 11 says this. It says, come my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And again, it's not this, this fear isn't the, I'm scared he's going to get me or zap me. No, it's the, it's a reverence. It's God. I love you so much. I revere you so much. You're so holy and amazing God that I just stand in all of you. Number two, I pray that I pray this over my kids. I want you to pray this over you, that God would surround them with divine favor. I pray God that I pray God accelerates them and pushes them and blesses them in ways that they look around and go, only God could have done that. I wasn't that good. I wasn't that smart. I didn't have it that together. Only God could have created that opportunity. Only God could have put me in that situation. I want them to be able to look back in their life and go, God did that. God made that happen in my life. I know that was the hand of God on my life. I love what Psalms 5 says. It says this, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as a shield. I want the favor of God to be a shield around our children. Number three is this. I want you to pray that they would have godly friends and influences. Godly friends and influences. How many of you know that, and you know from your own life, some of the some of the dumbest things I ever did in my life is because I had a friend that said, hey man, <laughs> let's try this. And I'm sure you could tell your own story, but we want godly influences, godly friends. We, we want our, our, our kids surrounded by godly friends. We want them to have a, a pack, a tribe, a community they run with that are like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna live out the purpose of God in our life. No, we're not gonna let each other get off in the ditch. We're not gonna let each other make the same mistakes that maybe we made. No, we're gonna put the right people, not only godly friends, but godly influences. This is why your child being in a small group is so important. It's why you getting in a small group today is so important. It's why your kids being in one is so important. Why? Because they need a godly influence in their life that is outside of mom and dad. The Bible says this in Proverbs 27. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. A friend makes you better. You need a friend in your life. Number two, you need to attend church consistently. And I'm gonna push on you a little bit here. You need to attend church consistently. Hebrews says this in chapter 10, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess 
for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards what? Love, towards good deeds, not giving up meeting together. And I know for some of you online right now, I'm just gonna push on you, it's become a bad habit. And you're not in church consistently. And some of you, you're in the room today. And can I, I just, I wanna be your pastor for a moment. You're here about once every three weeks, once every four weeks, every other week. No, 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 the Bible says, don't give up meeting together. Make it a priority. Make it a consistent thing in your life. Don't, don't, don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing because some people were like, Paul's writing, I think Paul wrote Hebrews, who knows, but I think he did. Paul's writing and saying, some are not getting together, but don't be those people. But encourage one another. Look at this, all the more as you see the day approaching. What is that? That's the day of Christ's return. And if you look around our world right now, any moment Jesus could come back. And he says, even more so, like get together more as you see the day approaching. It was Jesus' custom to do this. It said he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath he went into the synagogue as was his custom. It's what Jesus did. Jesus went into the house of God. And I just, I, I'm so burdened by this right now. It doesn't matter if we have age graded curriculum and a three year strategy and we're gonna invest the word of God into your kids. And it doesn't matter if we're teaching six big things to your youth every time that they're in youth group and youth night and youth conference and we're developing leaders and we're doing everything that we can to make sure this generation doesn't walk away from God. It doesn't matter if they're not in the house. It's pointless. If consistent church attendance isn't a priority, and with all the love in my heart, can I pastor you for a moment? If not for yourself, if you don't care about yourself, that's your decision, you're an adult, do it for your children. Get your kids in the house of God. Do it for them. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, the Bible says, will flourish like a tree planted by streams of water. They will bear fruit in every season. In other words, they'll be blessed in every season. Why? Because they're planted, they're grounded, they're rooted in something that matters. Can I encourage you? Your only job isn't to prepare them to get the right grades, to get into the right school, to get the right job. Your only job isn't to prepare them to get on the travel team that'll, and I'm, I'm not against any of that here in my heart, but your number one job, our number one job is to prepare the next generation for the only thing I'm 100% sure will happen in their life. I don't know what team they'll make, I don't know what college they'll get into. I 100% know they'll stand before God one day. I know that without a doubt. And if we don't prepare them for anything, make sure we prepare them for that moment. But you can if they're not in the house. And we're not the primary influence. We get an hour, 10 minutes a week. Maybe a little bit more if they come to youth group. But I'm telling you, it's a big piece. There's a recent study done in a book called Resilient, preparing children to be resilient disciples in the year 2050. 
And it did a study on 20-somethings who were strong in their faith. And the study showed that one of the number one, one of the number one reasons they were strong in their faith in their 20s is because they had a relationship with one caring adult in the church that was not their parents. It wasn't some great curriculum, we have that. It wasn't some incredible environments, we have all that. It was one caring adult in the church that was not their mom and dad. But they can't make those relationships if they're not here. I'm asking you, prioritize attendance in the house of God. I'm not trying to get a big church. I'm trying to save a generation. Number three, I'm asking everyone to do this. Participate in their development. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul wrote, he said, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned this. Somebody passed it down to you, Timothy. I'm asking everybody to participate in their development. I'm asking you to to find a place on the team to participate. Listen to me, I, 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 want, I, want to, I want to challenge a couple of groups, young adults, I need you, we need you. We need you to get on the team, we need you to lead a small group. We need you to lead a small group of some middle school girls and tell them how to live for God, how they can live for God and they can stay pure and they can, they can know that their identity's in Christ and, and they can know that all the things of the pressure that doesn't have to crumble them, they can live firm. Come on, we need some young adults. I need some young men that'll go, no, I'm gonna jump in the game. I'm gonna be a part of it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an example to some fifth grade boys and lead a small group and, and pray with them and listen to them and encourage them and help them know Jesus. I need some more, and I may embarrass her, I'm sorry if I do, but I need some more Deanna Arends at our Fredericksburg campus, serves in our preschool department. Both of her sons are out of the house. She could put it on cruise control right now. Just say, I've done my part, I've raised kids, I've raised the generation, they're out, I'm just gonna hang out with grandchildren. No, every Sunday, sits down in a preschool floor. loving on the next generation, pouring her life into kids that need to know the love of God. I'm asking you to participate in their development. I, yes, I'm, I'm making the ask. I'm asking you, go to Growth Track. I know at our Virginia locations, there are QR codes on the back of every other seat. We've made it super simple. You can take your phone, sign up for Growth Track right now. I'm asking you, go to Growth Track, get on the youth team, get on the kids team, serve the next generation and may we be the church that speaks life and speaks hope we could be the church that just sits around and be like well they're entitled and they're brats and and they're lazy and and they're they're, they're not tough they, they deal with anxiety and the world's hard you got to get over it no, no i want us to be i want us to be the abraham generation that says in, in in our abraham our father he who believed the god who gives life to the dead and calls things that are as though they were, as they are not, as though they were. In other words, Abraham looked at things and God said, no, you're too old, but you're gonna have a child. And, and you have no children, but you're gonna birth a generation. Instead of being people that are just like, oh, they're horrible and they're this and they're late. No, no, we're gonna look at them and go, you're world changers and you're leaders and you're who God says you are and you're who God says you can be. Let us be that church but we've got to prioritize some things. 
We got to prioritize praying for them regularly. We got to prioritize being in the house of God. Well, Pastor, you kind of stepped on my toes. Good. I wasn't aiming for your toes, I was aiming for your heart. We got to participate in their development. Join the team today. 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 Join the team. Invest in them. Build them. And watch what God will do through this generation. I believe it's the one that'll bring revival to a nation, but it needs some adults, some young adults, some caring people that'll speak life and speak the word into them and believe for God to do the impossible through them. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity. It's not a problem to us, it's a great opportunity. Great opportunity to invest our lives into something that will matter and last for eternity. Great opportunity to pour into the next generation to let them know that we love them, that God loves them, and that he has an amazing plan for their life. And so God, I pray that you'd move on the hearts of hundreds of people today to participate, to not sit on the sidelines, to not just coast through, but to get in the game, make a difference, and in themselves live fulfilled. Lord, we love you, we honor you. We thank you for speaking to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.